Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. Hi, I'm Sister Catherine Herms, and I'm delighted to be with you today. I've invited someone to join us. Hi, Sister Catherine. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir, and I am delighted to be here as a guest on your podcast today. So, so great. Always great to have you, Jeanette. Uh, of course, this week we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And so we took that and Celtic spirituality and even the twist of what it's like near the um, end or the beginning of the end of the pandemic and what St. Patrick can really help us understand about how we can move through these next months. Of course, we all know the story of St. Patrick. He was born in Britain, not Ireland, to wealthy parents at the end of the fourth century. And at the age of 16, he was taken prisoner by a group of Irish raiders who were attacking his family's estate, transporting him to Ireland, where he spent nearly six years in captivity. Yes, he tells us in his writings that he had two companions. One was named Cold and the other was named Hunger. Um, and although although he was exposed to Christianity before he was captured, it was really while he was in Ireland that he fully converted um, and then heard a voice that told him to go back to Britain. So off he went. So that voice told him to go off to Britain. And he heard another voice there that told him to go back to Ireland. After 25 years. a missionary, yes. And so he began then a whole course of study, which lasted really more than 15 years. And it was after his ordination as a priest that he was sent to Ireland with this dual mission to minister to the Christians who were already living in Ireland. Patrick served in regions of Ireland where outsiders had never traveled. And he really brought his new way of life, a Christian way of life, to what was then a violent and war-oriented culture. So I love these words that, Jeanette, you actually pointed out to me. He wrote, daily I expect to be murdered or betrayed or reduced to slavery if the occasion arises. But I fear nothing. He wrote, but I fear nothing because of the promises of heaven. And what a sentiment for our times as the pandemic continues to claim lives all around us. But as we're looking forward into months that are hopefully the end of that tunnel. I I love the way Patrick represents some of that Celtic spirituality where they really look on God with great trust. 
um, not a God far away up in the heavens, uh, but a God who's intimately involved in their life. It's, it's a spirit of awe and reverence and wonder, but it's open, interwoven, excuse me, with this sense of the closeness of God that really only a thin veil separates this world from the next, the problems of this world from the constellations and the, the presence of the next. They, they take seriously the, the words of Hebrews in chapter 12. We are compassed about, we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. So St. Patrick in his prayers and in his writings and all those who, who write out of the spirit of a Celtic spirituality represent really a consciousness that they are a member of a great company that stretches all the way from the Trinity to the angels, to the saints, to themselves, to their neighbors, to the church, to the world. It's a good time to remind ourselves of that since we've been feeling in such isolation to remind ourselves that we're part of this, of this community um, that stretches out I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about St. Patrick this year because um, it wasn't, it was not long before St. Patrick's Day last year that the first COVID-19 lockdown began. And um, I remember in particular as, as associated with St. Patrick because for the first time in a long time, I decided to do a St. Patrick's Day dinner for some friends. And of course, I couldn't have them over and I ended up packaging it up and taking it and dropping it on doorsteps. Um, <laughs> but I think it's appropriate now, you know, for us to turn to this saint whose feast day fell at such a significant time in our lives um, because he's been with us through this plague year and he was with us before. But, um, but I do, do want to, to, to disabuse people of the notion that he would banish the snakes or that he used the, the shamrock to teach the Trinity. These are great little stories, but actually what he did and what he wrote and who he was um, is so much more compelling than any of the legends that have sprung up around him. Um, I think that his life and his work in Ireland provides such an inspiring lesson in God's grace and mercy. I love Jeanette, that dinner image. It, it, um, reminds me of a key element of Celtic spirituality. And that's hospitality. Um, I'm thinking of on the island of Iona, which is just off of Scotland. Um, there's a monastery there and, and there's so many stories of St. Bridget and, and others in these Irish monasteries, Celtic monasteries who had such a profound sense of hospitality. And that's what that story of that dinner um, reminds me of. The Celts believed that hospitality was not just meant to be a custom in their homes and in their monasteries, but also a key into the kingdom of God. Um, the guest house often was the best property that they owned. And even if they themselves were eating bread and water, the best food was given to the guests. There's a story of Bridget who presided over the monastery at Kildare that she often made butter for the visitors. And tradition has it that when churning the butter, 
Bridget would actually make 13 portions. 12 were in honor of the apostles, and there was an extra one in honor of Christ, which was reserved for guests and the poor. And I think, I, I don't know, I think that's really important um, as we look at the possibility of beginning to get together again. And you think of grandparents and grandchildren being able to see each other again, or in some cases for the very first time, and friends able to come together. Saturday, I found myself reaching out and hugging one of my sisters here who just needed some understanding. And I was, I was almost, I was very conscious of the fact that I was actually hugging her because a year ago, strict social distancing would have prevented me from even thinking of doing that. But how much love we all need, um, how much being with each other we all need, um, how much we really need to be touched by each other's hospitality in whatever way that um, is shown. Yeah, and I think that there's a huge connection here between that hospitality and what we were seeing as um, St. Patrick's concern that he could again be attacked, that he could again be taken into slavery, um, because one of the roles of the monasteries was, of course, to provide protection and and um, and help for people who um, were in need. And so there's this, this connection between this hospitality and this sort of sanctuary and protection. And um, one of one of the more famous things associated with St. Patrick, although it's it's doubtful that he wrote it, was something called his Lorica. Lorica is a prayer that's recited for protection. Um, it did originate in, in Christian monastic tradition. And what it means is breastplate. And a breastplate is part of a suit of armor. Um, it, it's worn for protection in battle um, to, to keep the, the swords and arrows and so on from piercing one's body. And in the, in the tradition, um, knights later inscribed prayers onto their shields or onto their breastplates and recited those prayers um, before going into battle. And Christians recite Lorica's even now in order to invoke God's power as protection against evil. And I wanted to read a little bit of, of the one that is associated with St. Patrick. Um, and it's just, it's, it's not just beautiful, but it's also, if you can think about it in terms of just putting yourself into that community that we we're talking about, into the hospitality, um, into the protection of God. So it goes. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, brilliance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me. God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to secure me. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ in breadth, 
Christ in length, Christ in height, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of Christ. And my, may thy salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. Wow. You can kind of summarize that in two words. Christ here. Yes. So, so many times we, we feel like, where is God? Why is this happening? And there's so much in that, that Celtic um, spirituality that, that, that says Christ is here. In every circumstance, even in the most painful and in uh, the most beautiful. And much of our knowledge of Celtic Christianity really comes through these really immensely beautiful prayers. Um, Celtic Christianity even also opens my eyes to, to really looking at creation as, as a window, as almost translucent, as a way or a place or a space in which I could glimpse God's glory. Um, you know, we all say God created the earth, but God created others. God created me. But they're almost like the earth and its wonders. They provide a, a key that just doesn't say, yes, God must exist. But it's a way to learn about him. It's a way to, to uh, experience him manifesting himself to me all the time. It's, it's almost, um, it's almost a, a parental image, almost a feminine image or, uh, this image of encircling, of encompassing, of protecting. At the same time as there's that hospitality of, of drawing close, of nourishing, of giving life, of quickening and inspiring. Absolutely. And it also really draws us into this sense of, of being aware of the needs of those who are around us. Um, not just our own, our own small, you know, circle of, of family and friends, but, but the community that's the world. Um, and, and you did mention earlier, sister, that, that, you know, we're slowly coming out of the pandemic and that vaccines are becoming available. We have to remember though that there are, whole countries and possibly continents that have barely had access to the vaccine. So we need to really be aware of this wider community of humanity um, that who are truly our brothers and sisters. But I also think that, that, you know, as we're reflecting on, on this time, um, there's a lot we can learn from his story because he wasn't afraid. Patrick wasn't afraid to try and change what was wrong with the culture. You know, he, he, he came to, to, to minister and to convert, but he looked around and said, you know, this is not, this is not living the way we should be living. Um, he taught that women weren't a commodity. Women were, were consistently sold into marriage, um, but that they had choices in Christ. He advocated reading. He advocated learning in a culture that was 
um, very superstitious. And he was one of Christianity's first outspoken opponents of slavery. And of course, he knew very well whereof he spoke, having been a slave himself. So this really ties into this sense of the larger community. But there's also comfort, I think, that we can draw from his story. Um, as we look around the world, it hasn't just been the pandemic that's been problematic. There's been civil unrest. There have been the breakdowns of structures that we once thought were permanent. Um, there have been huge economic disparities throughout the world. And we have to remember that at the time in the fifth century, Patrick's Ireland was pretty much seen as the end of the earth. The Roman Empire was collapsing. Um, and many people believed that it was either the end of the world or at least that civilized society was drawing to a close. And that feels a little familiar to me, you know, that we feel like <laughs> living on the edge of something. Um, but Patrick's story tells us clearly that no matter what empires or human things might come and go, no matter how barbaric the civilizations around us may seem to us, the word of God is what endures and, and that every person to him in Ireland was, was worthy to be saved and to hear the word of God. And if we can translate that into our own, own times, that every person on earth is worthy to be saved and is worthy to hear the word of God. The word of God endures it all. I love that because no matter what happens, we know that the word of God will sustain us. And we don't have to look back thousands of years only to find those prayers in the Celtic spirituality that are so um, warming and encompassing and guiding through very difficult times. I'm thinking of John O'Donohue in his book, To Bless the Spaces Between Us, which is a book of invocations and blessings. And in there, he says in many different um, poems and prayers, he, he talks about how do you live through difficult times and how do you poise yourself on the verge of the new, on the verge of hope and on the verge of courage. He says in one place, this is a time to be slow, lie low to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Um, I, I think we've been living that through this past year. But then he promises in another place, you will find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. And I think that's the space we're in right now, not just space um, we may find ourselves in of being able to open up and do those things that we've wanted to do for a year, but on the possibility of offering that space to the whole world through a very equitable distribution of vaccines and care and concern for everyone. He says in another place, he challenges us to have courage because fear wastes our hearts. So the fear that we've been living through in this past year, um, it has in a sense almost brushed our hearts like a wire brush, like scraping our hearts um, and, and really almost 
tearing apart our sense of ourselves. We can't even remember what day it is,、uh, much less who we were before. Before the pandemic began, and who we will be afterwards, and he challenges us to do at last what we came here for. And isn't that what Patrick did when he went back to Ireland? He went back to do at last what he was called for, what he came to the earth for, and what he came to Ireland for. And so, with this blessing to each of you, we pray. That you will find in whatever thin places are in your life, the way in which heaven is reaching into your heart in a gentle way, and into your life right now, so that you can share this with each other and with others beyond. God bless you all. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.